well as uh, build some good friendships. When I was a teenager growing up in Wisconsin, uh, we would have youth rallies like this about once a month. And uh, I, I remember at the time thinking, uh, seems like we do this all the time. But as I look back on it, those were some really good times of uh, memories that were made, friends that I made uh, from other churches and, and uh, getting to know other teenagers that were trying to live for the Lord as I was trying. And, and uh, it's, good, it's good to be together and uh, glad that you're here. And I know most of you probably know each other a little bit, but I hope you'll meet somebody new today and get to know a new friend as well. And uh, you got to kind of make that effort, don't you? Uh, a man wants friends, he's got to show himself friendly. So I hope you'll be friendly with somebody today and uh, get to know them. Well, if you have a Bible, take it and let's go to Psalm 19. Psalm 19. And we're just going to look at one verse uh, to begin with here this morning. Psalm 19 and verse number 14, the very last verse in this psalm. Psalm 19 and verse 14. And there's a lot of great instruction right here in this one little verse that I think will help us today. Psalm 19, verse 14. The Bible says, Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. The words we use are a great indicator of what's in our heart. Now, I can't see your heart. You can't see my heart. That's something that's hidden from human view. Uh, we can't see into your heart. We just see the outside. And oftentimes, we make judgments about you with respect to the outside. We, we look at you and recognize, oh, you're a girl or you're a boy. Or uh, we look at you and say, uh, you must be about 18 or you must be about... 13 or whatever. We make some judgments based on what we see on the outside, but we can't see the inside. However, God does, doesn't he? God can see the inside. Uh, he told uh, Samuel when he went down to anoint the king over Israel, and uh, uh, Jesse brings out his sons, and the first son comes out, Eliab, and, and uh, Samuel thinks, well, this is obviously the next king. He's the tallest. He's the oldest. He's the, he's the best looking, all those things. And God says, no, 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 no. Look not on the outward appearance or the height of his countenance. Man looks on the outward appearance, but God looketh on the heart. So God's able to see into our heart. I, the Lord, search the heart. I try the reins, even to give every man according to his ways and according to the fruit of his doings. So God sees our heart. But what comes out of our mouth reveals what's in our heart. That's why the psalmist here is he's praying this prayer in verse 14. He's linking the two together. He's saying, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. Because the psalmist realized that what was coming out of his mouth was indicating what was in his heart. And so if he was going to have the right kind of words, he's going to have to have the right kind of heart. And Jesus links these two together in Luke chapter 6, verse 46. He says, a good man out of the good treasure of his heart bringeth forth good things. An evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart bringeth forth evil things. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. So when you talk, what do your words reveal about your heart? 
Do your words reveal to others anger? Or maybe jealousy? Envy? Selfishness? Pride? Or do our words maybe reveal love? Or faith? Or hope? Or grace? When words slip out of our mouth, they reveal what we are. I hear phrases come out of people's mouth. And oftentimes they'll apologize. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I didn't mean to say that. I'm sorry, that, that, that slipped out. But it didn't just slip out. It's what's in here. So I want to just look at three considerations here this morning when it comes to our words and more importantly when it comes to our heart think with me first of all about the genesis of words the genesis of words we have to learn how to talk in fact we work hard with little babies you know one year olds we we try to teach them how to talk when you see parents that have a child, they're, they're constantly trying to get them to talk. And dad gets in front of his son, and he goes, Dad, 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 Dad. The kid's just looking at him like, what? Dad, Dad. You know, and every dad wants their kid to say, Dad, Dad. And when dad goes to work, mom takes the kid and goes, Mama, Mama. You know, and everybody tries to be first to see if that kid will say dad, dad, or mama. And I think it's a scientific fact that it's easier to say dad, dad, than mama. And so most kids say dad, dad first. When my oldest son was born, John's name, and, and uh, I decided, forget the dad, dad, mama. I got a football, put it right in front of him. I said, ball, <laughs> ball. <laughs> and, and believe it or not, John's first word was ball, ball. So I won. But anyway, we have to teach children how to talk. Now, I don't know if I can scientifically prove this, but I don't think we ever have said anything that we haven't first heard. I don't know if that's true. I think it is. I don't think I've ever said a word that I didn't first hear. And when you learn a language, if you learn a second language, you want to be able to hear the word, right? It's very difficult to learn a, a language out of a book. You need somebody to, how does this sound? Okay, I see the letters. I, I see the syllables broken down in the book, but what's it supposed to sound like? When missionaries learn a language so they can go to a field and be a missionary, they normally go to language school in that country where they're gonna where they're gonna speak that language because they want to hear it, right? You take a, a, a an, an online course in in a, in a second language. If you t you take something like Rosetta Stone or Babel today, it, its whole focus is, is on you hearing the words because we we speak what we hear. So words 
have their genesis in what we hear. The words that you and I will use today are words that somewhere in our past we have heard. So that begs the question, what are we listening to? What are we allowing through television or social media or uh, music? What are we allowing in that we hear and thus becomes a part of our heart? When my son John was about four or five, we were preaching a, a, a youth camp in Wisconsin. And uh, John was the kind of kid when he was little, he always wanted to be where the action was. If we were at camp, if the kids were eating, he wanted to go eat. If the kids were having a prayer meeting, he wanted to go to the prayer meeting. If kids were doing an activity, he wanted to be at activity. If he wanted to be in the services, he just, from a little kid on, he always wanted to be wherever the, the fun was, wherever there was something going on. And uh, we couldn't always go to everything at camp, you know. You got other things to do. We had a little baby at that time, and, and uh, my wife was caring a lot for her. And, of course, I'm preaching the camp, so I've got to prepare and things like that. Well, one day, it was a hot summer day, and uh, there was an activity down on the ball field that John just was passionate about going to. He wanted to see this activity. They'd been promoting it all day, and he wanted to go to that. And, and I, I said, John, uh, we're not going to be able to go to that. Uh, um, your sister needs a nap, and I've got to do some studying for tonight. And, and so, but we're going to let you go. You can go down there. You know where it is, and, and, and you stay out of the way. You just watch. You have a good time. And uh, then, when it's over, you come back to the trailer. We had a trailer that we pulled and lived in. I said, you come back to the trailer and, and check in with us. We know you're okay. So, man, he went tearing out. He couldn't wait. He ran down to that ball field, and he enjoyed that activity. About an hour later, he came back into that trailer. He was hot. He was all red-faced and sweaty, and it was a hot day. And he burst into that trailer, and he said, Mom, Mom, I need a drink. I need a drink. He was thirsty. My wife was in the back of the trailer trying to get our daughter to go to sleep for a nap. I was sitting at the table doing some studying. And so my wife said, I'll be just a minute, John. And John said, shut up, Mom. Whoa. It was like time stood still. Because <laughs> we didn't use that phrase, shut up. We might have asked someone to stop talking, but we never said, shut up. That just wasn't something we said as a family. And when he said that, I mean, everybody just froze. I just froze at the table. My wife just stopped right where she was. We had a dog at that time, a little miniature schnauzer. His name was Scotty. And he was up on the, on the fifth wheel part of the trailer sleeping. And when he heard John say that, he jumped off that, that, that ledge and came and sat right next to me with his feet in front of him. He's just shaking like, I'm being good, I'm being good. That dog could sense when one of the kids was in trouble and about to get a spanking, you know. And so he's, he's like, I'm being good. And, and I was just so shocked at what I just heard. I, I said, John. Where did you hear that? I knew we had never said it. And John was the kind of kid, if I raised my voice, he would break. He, was just, he had a tender heart, and he, would, he, he just broke. And he began, he began just to cry, and he, he pointed out the door, big kids, big kids. Well, he had heard one of the teenagers say, shut up. 
and apparently it had worked, and so he thought, I'll try that on mom, right? <laughs> Words have their genesis in what we hear, but words have their genesis in what we harbor. Now, let's just be honest. You can't get through this life, you can't walk through this world without hearing some bad stuff, right? All of us have heard some bad words. We've heard somebody curse. We've heard somebody use a, a foul word or a dirty word, we might say. We've heard it. Let's be honest. You, you, can't, you can't go to school, go to a store. You, you can't watch Fox News without pe people taking God's name in vain. They do it every night. You, you can't watch a sport. You can't watch a football game without somebody cursing on the telecast. That, that used to never be allowed, but it is now. People don't think a thing about it. So you're going to hear some words that you, it'd be better if you never heard them. But what do you do with those words? See, words have their genesis in what we hear, but then words have their genesis in what we harbor. People will say, uh, they'll say something, this, then they'll apologize and say, oh, I'm sorry, I, I wasn't thinking. No, you were thinking too much. See, it wasn't that something slipped out. You allowed it in, and then you harbored it. You thought about it. You allowed that word to become a part of you. And now that word has come out because you've allowed it to harbor in your life. You've allowed it to harbor in your mind. This is why the psalmist is praying, Lord, control my thoughts. Control my meditation. Not just my words, because my words are only going to reveal what I've been thinking about. What did Paul say? Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. See, we hear the wrong things, and that's what we think about, the wrong things. And God says, we've got to get the right things in, and we've got to meditate on those things. Well, what do we do with these wrong words? What do we do with these things that we hear that shouldn't come into our life? Well, think about what the psalmist said in Psalm 139. He said, search me, O God, and know my heart. We sing a song about that. Search me, O God, know my heart. But don't forget the rest of the verse. Try me and know my thoughts. Have you ever asked God to examine your thoughts? By the way, so, uh, Proverbs 24, verse 8 says, the thought of foolishness is sin. Have you ever confessed a thought? And when you do something wrong and you realize it, you say, Lord, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have done that. Have you ever confessed a thought? Have you ever had a thought come into your mind? Have you ever done anything with that with God? Have you ever said, God, forgive me of that thought? I just heard that word. I, 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 I shouldn't be thinking about that. I shouldn't be dwelling on that. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts and let him return unto the Lord. And he'll have mercy upon him and to our God for he will abundantly pardon. In Acts 8, verse 22, repent therefore of this thy wickedness and pray God if perhaps the 
thought of thine heart may be forgiven thee. Some of us have some thoughts we need to confess. You may have some actions you need to confess. You may have some words you need to, you need to get right with somebody about. But, but we need to get right with God in our thoughts. Because words have their genesis in what we hear. Words have their genesis in what we harbor. That, that's why the Bible is so important in your life. That, that's why the Word of God, coming to church, hearing it preached, being in that Sunday school class, being in that youth activity where the Word of God's going to be preached, coming to these kinds of things, reading your Bible every day. Why is that so important? Because the Word of God is quick, it's powerful, it's sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. See, we can't know our own heart, the Bible says in Jeremiah 17. We can't even know our own heart. But the Word of God is a discerner. It's an uncoverer. It's a revealer. It brings out to light the thoughts and the intents of our heart. So, the genesis of words. But now think with me secondly about the greatness of words. In Job chapter 6, the Bible says how forcible are right words. And I think oftentimes when the Bible says something, you could add the opposite, right? If, if right words are forcible, we would have to assume that wrong words are forcible as well. How forcible are right words? How forcible are wrong words? Words can affect either way. They have great power. They have great force. Think about the power of God's word. When God speaks, think about the power of that. Let there be light, God said. And there was light. Th think about the power of, so faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. You got saved because of the power of God's words. See, uh, 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 the Bible says in James chapter 1 there, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness and receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. So you think of the power of God's word. You're saved because of God's word. But think about the power of Satan's words. First words out of his mouth on this planet. Hath God said... He comes to Adam and Eve there in that Garden of Eden. He says, hath God said? And that, that little set of words creates this doubt, this skepticism, this, this wonder, is God really being good to me? Or is God withholding something from me? And those little few words cause man to plunge into sin. The power of words our words have great power. Did you know that uh, Proverbs 18, verse 21 says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. Death and life. So our words can harm. The words we use can harm someone else. James said the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members that it defileth the whole body and setteth on fire the course of nature and is set on fire of hell. Words can discourage. Words can demean. Words can damage. Words can divide. Words can destroy. Look, a word can destroy a friendship. One word. One word can destroy a marriage. One word can destroy a church. One word can destroy a nation. 
Words have great power to harm, but words also have great power to heal. The Bible says in Proverbs 15, verse 23, a word spoken in due season, how good is it? You ever had somebody give you an encouraging word? You ever had somebody say something to you at just the right time when you needed it? Uh, there have been countless times where I've been in a bad mood and somebody just said one or two words to me and my mood changed. It's amazing. Words have power. They have power to heal. A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in pictures of silver. A soft answer turneth away wrath, but grievous words stir up anger. You see, it's through God's word that we communicate the gospel. It's through edifying words that we build up other Christians. It's through encouraging words that we help the weary and the discouraged. It's through corrective words that we warn the foolish. Words, they have power. Now, they tell us scientifically that the average male says 10,000 words a day. 10,000, that's a lot of words. The average female, these are just facts now. <laughs> There's absolutely no bias here. The average female says 25,000 words a day. So I think you would all agree that this is not true across the board. It's not true with every person, but most of you would agree that girls talk more than guys. And it's scientifically true. I don't know who counted, but those are the facts. The average guy says 10,000 words a day. The average female says 25,000 words. Now, I, I understand why. It's be, you know, women will tell us as men, that's because you guys never listen. We have to tell you twice. Now, so I get it. it. It adds up. I got to thinking about that. Average guy, 10,000 words a day. Average female, 25,000 words a day. And I was, when I was thinking about that, I was at, at, at the college where I work at West Coast, and we have 500 students on our campus. Now we have, you know, lots more people on our campus. We have about 300 staff members every day on the campus. We have a Christian school of about 450. We have, you know, staff, all, all these things, oh, probably about 1,000 people on the campus. But the point is we have 500 students, okay? They're there 24-7. They're living in the dorms. They're going to classes. They're eating meals. They're, they're, they're on that campus, 500 students a day. So I did some math. And I thought, now, if the average girl in our college says 25,000 words a day and the average guy in our college says 10,000 words a day, I added it all up. It means that on our campus, just among our college students, 8.5 million words are spoken every day. Eight and a half million words. And I sat there and I wondered, I wonder how many of them helped and how many of them hurt. Now, probably depending on how far you came in your van or bus today, a lot of words were spoken. Probably a lot will be spoken on the way home. How many will help? How many will hurt? Take your family. Five, six people in your family, maybe? Do the math. How many words are spoken in your, in your house every day? 
How many help? How many hurt? How about at your school? In your youth group? Just in that, maybe that couple hours you spend at church tomorrow morning. Just do some math. Lots of words. And there's power in every one of them. To help or to hurt. So as you think about the genesis of words and the greatness of words, we must also think about the gravity of words. They say that sound travels in wavelengths. So if I make a sound, hey, you hear it for to travel out of our range. If you go out in a canyon out here and you yell up that canyon the same word, hey, you're going to hear it a lot longer. It's going to bounce off the canyon wall and you're going to hear an echo, we would say. Okay? So sound, according to science, travels in these wavelengths. We hear it momentarily, but then it's gone because it's outside our ability to hear it. They say it's like if you take a rock and you throw it in a pond and it hits the water, it forms ripples, right? You've all seen it and done it. Well, that's the way sound looks if you could see it. Now, scientists tell us that every sound that's ever been made is still out there. We just can't hear it. It's still there. That's kind of a sobering thought, isn't it? Because some of the words we say are kind of under our breath. Where we hope no one else heard it. There's a, a little phrase people use sometimes that says, uh, a little birdie told me. You ever heard that? Somebody finds out something, you say, how'd you find out about that? Oh, a little birdie told me. Really? <laughs> like, are there actually birds flying around telling people what we said? <laughs> You know where that comes from? It comes from your Bible. Ecclesiastes 10.20. Curse not the king, no, not in thy thought. Curse not the rich in thy bedchamber. For a bird of the air shall carry thy voice, and that which hath wings shall tell the matter. Young people, listen to me. God's got witnesses. God has people who have heard he's got things in this world that he can make talk. bring back our words you see when we say a word there's a life to that word we just started its journey we don't always see the end of that journey there's life to our words this, this happens all the time people say I remember you said Really, I don't remember that. Well, you said it. I, I have people come up to me and say, back in 1976, you preached a message. I'm like, it's 1976. Was I even alive? <laughs> Fortunately, I was. 
most of my close friends are dead. I lost three of my best friends this past year. Three very close preacher friends. I remember what they said. I remember their words. My dad, my dad's been in heaven for over 20 years. I still hear him. I still hear him saying things. When he said those things to me or to others, he, he sent them on a journey. There's life to those words. It says of Abel, he being dead yet speaketh. Very close friend of mine, a colleague at the college, Dr. Jerry Goddard, passed away just a few weeks ago. One of my best friends. And uh, I will never forget about two days before he died, being in that emergency room at his bedside there, and we shared a, a conversation, thought he was getting better, thought he'd be released the next day, but the day after the next day, he passed. We had a wonderful conversation as friends, a conversation I've never shared with anybody and probably never will, but I'll never forget it. It'll go with me. You see, there's life to your words. When you speak, you're sending them on a journey. And you might think later on, oh, I wish I hadn't said that. But you can't pull it back. You might even wish, I wish I had said something. There's life to your words. But then think about the last word. If you have your Bible, turn to, turn to Matthew chapter 12. And uh, you're listening so well, and we're almost finished. I want you to see a couple of, of, of verses here in Matthew chapter 12. And verse 36, Matthew 12, verse 36. This is Jesus speaking, and he says, But I say unto you that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give account thereof in the day of judgment. For by thy words thou shalt be justified, and by thy words thou shalt be condemned. God will have the last word on our past words. That's a sobering thought, isn't it? God will have the last word on all of our past words. Is it no wonder the psalmist prayed, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. O Lord, my strength, my redeemer. Because one day we will meet him with our words. So how are your words today? Maybe more importantly, the question is, what's in your heart? Because what's in here is only revealed by what comes out of your mouth, of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. What's in your heart? Let's pray for a minute. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I hope vile words didn't come out of your mouth on the trip here today. 
I hope you didn't use God's name in vain or something like that. If those kinds of words are in your heart, please talk to God about that for sure. If you have to be careful about how you speak when you're at church because something might slip out that you say when you're not in church, that, that's a problem that you need to get fixed. And only God can help you with that. But think about your words. Do they reveal anger, frustration, fear, worry, anxiety, stress, Or do they reveal what's true, what's lovely, what's just, what's honest, what's pure? Those are important questions. And do a little inventory there of your words because they reveal what's in your heart. Now God wants to help your heart. He wants to change your heart. And that's why we have his word to help us. And if God spoke into your heart today, talk to him right now. Say, Lord, there's some things that I've allowed in to my heart that at times reveal themselves in what I say that are not pleasing to you. And if I stood before you right now and you called back my words, it would reveal for sure what's in my heart. And ask God to change your heart today by confessing those thoughts that are wrong. Ask him to purify your heart. And let me just say this before I pray. If you've never said the words, Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. And I know that as a sinner, I can't go to heaven. But I know you died for me on a cross and you were buried and you rose again the third day so that I could have eternal life. And Lord, I want to ask you to be my Savior. If you've never said those words, those are the most important words you could ever say to God because that's the prayer of salvation, to ask him to be your Savior. If you've never prayed those words, boy, Let's talk today. Let's have a conversation about that. Let's get that squared away because that's where it has to begin. Lord, thank you for these young people. Thank you for the leaders that have brought them today and the effort they've made, the time they're taking to allow you to work in their heart. And so, Lord, as we've been challenged now from your word about our words, may you speak to us. May you change us. May our words be glorifying to you because they're products of thoughts and intents of the heart that are glorifying to you. And so speak to us today and help us to guard our heart. We pray this in Jesus' name.